For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. CHN Radio, episode 143. It's your host, Greg Troxell, joining you in trying to give you some excitement in what was a very uneventful match between Newcastle and Brighton. And we're going to talk about it um, as much as we can stand to. Uh, but joining me to discuss this thrilling nil-nil draw in the in the second to last match of the season. It's the best damn coast in the land, Elijah Musso. I'm super excited to be here and discuss this match. (laughs) Yeah, the energy is it's really flowing in. Um, yeah, I mean Newcastle, they they played today and it was an experience. Um, and we'll talk about it. But first, follow your boy on Twitter at Elijah underscore Newsome. Follow the main account at Coming NUFC. Follow the CHN Radio account at CHN underscore Radio. And always, always check out the site. Some dope content coming up over at Coming Home Newcastle. Dot com or coming over to newcastle.espnation.com. Brian has returned from the shadows and has written a couple pieces with his his hot takes. Um, Graham's, of course, by the time this is out, uh, he's already done a, a match review, which I'm sure is not going to be very long. Zach Pensack wrote uh, a really nice piece on uh, our defensive woes. And, of course, Andy Hayes bringing that straight fire um, with a full – uh, piece that's an interview with Warren Barden, and it's it's worth the read. It's it's very good, um, very solid stuff in there. Um, Warren is, of course, a friend of the program and just an all around great guy. So, of course, any interview with him is is great. Yeah, any any. Uh, you can Especially follow me too if, if it's you want. from us. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah, yeah. know, you know, yeah. No, I said if if you want. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Then you can. We encourage you, can, yeah. you not to. <laughs> yeah, but like if you want, you could. But that's. I'll say this. It's a little teaser for the rest of this. If people were following you, they'd know uh, why Newcastle didn't start Kel Watts. Oh, Would they, though? Uh, they would know that, that you're a youth team guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we can like, talk about hey. that, too. Um, well, we will talk about that, about why not Kel Watts. And, yeah, we can, we can go into way more detail there. Uh, okay, so let's let's get into it then, and we can do our three words. So after every match, we ask you to submit three words to describe the match, and we'll read them on the podcast. Um, we didn't have nearly as much because there was literally nothing that happened. So, like, how could you even describe the match? Um, but we'll start yeah. with two rash mm-hmm. challenges podcast. Uh, I fell asleep. Don, uh, so that happened. Joe Terry says, good waste. Mr. Steel, you're worldwide. Says, sorry, fell asleep. Gary, 
says watching paint dry. Dan said definitely a rewatch. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Blake's minutes wasted. Two Man US says approve the takeover. Uh, Andrew Lovett says on the plane. Alex Pessin goals no chance. CDG burnt dry toast. Your lefty uncle. <laughs> Same old shite. Colby Wilson lifeless three times. Joe Fernandez, zzz, zzz, zzz. Scott Biffa Carlin, my eyes bleed. Oh. Phil Perrins, I hate Bruce. Jeff <laughs> Modlin, piece of shite. And Alice, with my favorite one, saving it for last, Yowie Dick. Which is. That's good. That, that, that's, that, there you go. That's the only thing we have to talk about for the match. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So let's, I guess not cool. Let's talk about lineups uh, because there was a lot of talk about the lineups previously. And it was, it was kind of weird because uh, I was telling Elijah before this, Kellen Watts was the big name uh, before. Well, the- well like, let's start from the very beginning. Okay. Let's start from, okay, of course, three days ago, I don't, well, two days ago, Kellen Watts was, was called up to the team because the Premier League felt sorry for Newcastle. I guess. But, like, before the lineups were even announced, before people got all fake mad about Kel Watts, Newcastle tweeted out this very, like, cryptic photo. Not cryptic, but they tweeted out this photo um, of, like, everyone, of, like, the kids in the dressing room, and they featured, like, some peculiar names. Like, they featured, like, um, Alan St. Maxman, who we all thought was not going to play because he was he's injured. Um, Andy Carroll, who we knew was just returning. And like Kel Watts, and everyone's like, "Oh, are these people starting?" Like people got were really excited, and then we segue into what Greg's talked about. Yeah, I so like. I guess should we just go into now? As so, Kellen Watson. Well, I'll, I'll name the starting lineup first. That's yeah. Let's do that. Um, so it was Dubrovka, Mankio, Kraft, Fernandez, Rose, then Shelby, Bentaleb, Richie, Almiron, Saint Maximin, and Gale. Uh, on the bench was Darlow, Kel Watts, Yedlin, Matty Longstaff, Krishnatsu, Lazaro, Muto, Carroll, and Jolinton. So what's your yeah. what's your thoughts on seeing that? I mean, I thought my initial, my gut reaction was was honestly a little bit of confusion because like literally yesterday, Steve Bruce was like, Alan St. Maxman is like injured. <laughs> and I was like, well, why why like even if he's completely healthy which by all means he looked like competent enough to run and stuff. It just didn't really make sense to play him in a match that like Newcastle at the max could finish like 11th or 12th or something like that. If results went their way, like there's just no reason to really um, like try and go for this match um, per se. So it just didn't make sense to start Alan St. Maxman when you have a competent individual and Valentino Lazaro that doesn't achieve the same degree of like attention as Alan St. Maxman, but when combined with Miguel Amaron and, and John Joe Shelby, like it does make an interesting attack that is worth, you know, putting out there and you have the luxury of doing that for the first time since we've been promoted, there's like an actual, Oh, we can rest one of our better players and it, we won't drop off completely. So I thought that was the weirdest thing for me. Everything else was, was pretty like, I guess, normal. Um, Matt Ritchie playing, that's not surprising. Miggy playing, not surprising. I honestly wasn't that surprised Milcraft started at center back. I mean, 
he he'd been playing there for a while and even if Kel Watts is 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 this like super talented prodigy um he had you know two or three days to to learn the system um which we can talk about that system uh because when I saw the lineup I thought it was one thing but then when we saw them actually go out on the field it was a uh, it was something completely different yeah yeah and we can get into that too uh so something that so initially what I th- what I thought of when it was the lineup was announced was are we like is it four at the back is it going to be a five at the back that's the, that's the first thing I think of and like was not expecting what what happened either because yeah. um, I mean it like when you have three fullbacks out there and one of them swing center back you're expecting it to be a four at the back yeah for sure um <laughs> and that yeah like at least at least that so um but I, I, I was surprised to see St. Maximin to start. Uh, I thought that he his season was done. Uh, so with that groin injury, so I, I wasn't too pleased with him with that being risked. But yeah, I was thinking it was a four two three one. Richie was like one of the midfielders. Um, but let's get to why Kellen Watts wasn't in there. So Kellen Watts, the highest level of football that he's played in his entire career, Elijah, is this year in league two he played for seven inch on loan they finished in last place they got relegated that's the highest level of football he's ever played um and so like people wanted to just give him a shot what does it hurt like i'm and i'm i'm still fine with that like just the fact that like yeah like sure you can give him a shot and even if it's terrible i don't i think some there is some scarring that can happen and players can be messed up for a little while but they'll get over it like if 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 you're if you're going to be good enough, you'll get over it. Um, and if you're not going to be good enough, then it will haunt you forever, and you are never going to be good enough. But um, I'm also a big bigger proponent of somebody being caught up when they're when they've earned it. Watts has not earned it yet. That's a, that doesn't mean to say that he couldn't in the future. But I'm sorry, but playing for the last place side in League Two does not give you a prerequisite to play in the Premier League, even if, even a second. So, like, when we called up Sean Longstaff, he already started in top-tier Scotland, played for Kilmarnock. Uh, when we called up Freddie Woodman, he did the same thing at Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock. Like, they proved it at a, at a competitive level that gives you the right to say, this person deserves a startup. Maddie Longstaff lucked into it. Like, great academy showings, was, like, absolutely bossing people in the midfield and then got injury luck. Um, and he got called in and then dominated. Uh, but, and even then, like after two or three matches, very obvious flaws in his game were kind of revealed. Yeah. And like I, I get the Matty Long stuff. We need to play him. Like, what does it mean? Blah blah blah. But like also when you talked about his what he offers on the pitch, honestly, like honest to God, the only thing I think of with Matty Longstaff is just energy. Like I he works hard and like that's all I really see from him. Like I think he's a, a decent passer. Is he yeah. a better passer than any other midfielder that we have? No. Is he a better goal scorer than any other midfielder we have? No. Is he a better defender than any other midfielder we have? In fact, he's probably the worst defender we have in terms of the midfield. I mean, him and Sean both are just not great. To, like at Sean defending. Longstaff, our number 10. Yeah, I'm about to say, <laughs> Sean Longstaff might actually have him beat just because we've now recognized he should just be a number 10. Should but be like, back up. Yeah. And and so it's just that's that's my thing is like I, I'm with you on that where it's like uh, I get the Maddie Longstaff and people want to throw out Sean Longstaff, but also I would just want to add like this is a you don't 
like there's not there's only a couple teams in the world that consistently can play young players at the highest level. And we're talking about Ajax, we're talking about like Borussia Dortmund, we're talking about like that's pretty much it. That the the list is there. And and they're able to play like young players in Champions League and and dominate their individual leagues and quality leagues um doing that. Oh, Monaco. I guess we could throw in Monaco because well, even yeah, Monaco's there's a bunch of clubs that play young players mainly, but like at the level of this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I would like I would say Monaco at a time. I don't know about now. I, I think they're they're okay. They've kind of strayed away from youth a little bit. Monaco, um, Ajax, Dortmund, all are at or above the level of Newcastle. I could you could argue all of them are above the level of Newcastle, but that's a different time. The main point is in the Premier League, you don't see like teams just calling up youngsters who who haven't who just have not like gone past league two level or even gone past the championship level in fact you see the opposite you see guys get lost in the fray a bunch because like the premier league's hard like it's a difficult league to to make a first impression in there's only a few players that do it every season and and when they do they are like legit prodigies we're talking like your declan rices you're talking about like i don't even know your phil foden's who just like they are actually just insanely good and they would be starting at a lot of different clubs, not only the club that they're at. So to expect Newcastle to to just like play Kel Watts, who isn't even arguably not even the best defender in the academy right now, it's it's a it's a big ask uh of Steve Bruce, especially when like I mean, he is still playing for his job per se. Um whoever knows what's going on with this takeover. And like it's not like the system's completely broken with Emil Kraft. And to be fair, Emil Kraft was probably one of the better center backs today. So, um, yeah. which, I mean, Emil it's Kraft not saying much. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, it's, it's not saying much, but, like, he like to be no, fair, like, this was the most comfortable he's looked at center back yeah. all season. Like, so you, if you're if you're a manager going into into uh, this exact situation, I you know, I don't, I don't think Bruce made the wrong decision. But I don't think there was a right one to be made, to be honest. Like, he was just screwed. But – um, one thing that Emil Kraft has is one, he's just, he's a better player than Kel Watts. Just, he is. Um, and that doesn't mean that Kel Watts is not going to one day be better than Emil Kraft. I, I don't know. We, that's Again, Kel Watts is 20 and Emil Kraft is, is, is older than him. Yeah. So like the potential's there. And, but right now it's, it's just not the case, but Emil Kraft is a starter in, in Sweden and has played against and guarded and defended against some of the best players in the world on an international level. So like why why would you put a league two center back a bottom of the barrel league two center back in there when you could just be like okay like we're going up against Aaron Moy I can't put a league two center back in there like yeah like you would torch Kellen Watts you would absolutely destroy Aaron Moy would absolutely destroy Kellen Watts on a yeah. consistent basis they would Anthony Knocker would would destroy Kellen Watts well yeah yeah. RIP to him. They would just literally their entire game plan would be focused on there. And Brighton probably would have won three nothing and it would have been Kel Watts' fault. And then we had to deal with that. But um the the good thing is like Emil Kraft can at least I mean, is he good at a center back? No, he's not. But like he at least has an experience to where like, okay, he can pull something out of the hat and make something happen at least. And he and he Um, did. And he also yeah, and uh, so one more point is also the one thing that everybody misconceives, and this is my last point, is speed. When Kel Watts sees what Premier League speed is, he's mm-hmm. going to be lost in the shuffle. He's, I mean, 
if you've watched any League Two matches, there's dudes bigger than me, like as strikers. <laughs> like I don't think people know how like, big you are. Well, I'm not. I'm not that big. Like I, I weigh. I'm. I'm six feet tall. I weigh two nineteen. So like, like not like crazy size. But there's thir- people seven years older than me, about forty pounds heavier than me, <laughs> playing striker in League Two. <laughs> like, like. And, like, and they're good. That's, like, yeah, like, they're good. Like, they're, they're like, they're, they're in the top five scores, and they're just like yeah. older dudes. But like, like, he's not going to be guarding that type of person. He's going to be guarding elite athletes, and you need yeah. to work your way to that. So he would have been it, up against Pascal Gross. Been, yeah, yeah. I was going to say he would. He would have been up against Pascal Gross, Aaron Moy, and a guy who's got ten goals in the season. So it would have been a tough in a, a, a tough situation for him. And this is my last point, and I think this is ever so important to note, is that there's a lot of people that are upset with Bruce for doing this. And I, I get it. And and I understand your frustration because I think it's taken me a few years, especially after knowing Greg and being able to talk with him and doing this podcast and understanding the state of our youth academy. Um, I felt those same frustrations, but I felt them like two seasons ago when Rafa wouldn't play youth players for cup matches that he – openly expressed hey he had no interest in winning um they'd be on the bench or at the end of the season same situation where i mean especially last season where like we were done and dusted set in stone newcastle weren't really doing anything it was the games were all meh um the season well actually last season they were quite good the season before um the games were pretty mad you could have given some guys a debut and the fact of the matter is both rafa and steve bruce were presented with the same scenario essentially you've got meaningless games at the end of the season you could give players their debut and at a lot of clubs i mean you see this at real madrid you see this at barcelona this does happen but also real madrid and barcelona have significantly better academies than newcastle i think that's the the issue here is that um i would focus less on steve bruce and his his unwillingness to play kel watts but focus on the actual issue is that like newcastle can't produce players who are even like championship level where you can kind of get away with playing them 20 minutes or so and their confidence isn't completely tanked we haven't been able to do that and so uh i I think that's the bigger issue is like it doesn't matter who the manager is like kel watts was not going to play or not going to start at least yeah if we're up or down big or or something like that and there's five minutes to go and you still have your fifth sub throw kel watts in there like yeah yeah do it that's what happened with Tom Allen in the yeah. FA Cup. Like Newcastle were up, and you know they were like, "Hey, why not, kid? Go ahead, play and yeah. play and played well." Yeah, and the other other thing to mention too, which is like, I mean, it's it's definitely thought about, but it's not a factor. Is like, imagine making your Premier League debut, and your parents can't even be there to see it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would fair, stink yeah. too. Um, like, I mean, I know they're there watching, but like, and it's just a like, weird world. But like. Man, imagine like being there and you don't have the way the way and like screaming your name like you're born and raised in the, in the Northeast and you can't have that experience like everything you ever dreamed of. Um, so like I'm not saying don't do it because of that, but yeah, like in a tie game, Kyle Watts wasn't coming in that game. He never was. Um, he was there just in, for an emergency. If if a if Rose or Kraft went down, Kyle Watts would have came in. And that was the only time we saw him warming up, like was when Kraft was down and when Rose was down. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to briefly touch now to yeah, be talked about, let's talk about just the formation because I think that's the, the second most interesting thing about this match. <laughs> yeah. So we're not going to go through match events because there weren't any. <laughs> um, 
there was like nothing almost notable. So the, on, the literally the only highlight that like was worth sharing was the Matt Ritchie like yelling at the referee thing, mm. which like we didn't even get the pleasure of seeing that really in the states because we've got the crowd noise. But uh, but yeah, uh, that yeah, was actually said, the most shared clip from the match. What what do you say is like uh, how how could you give that foul your wee dick? Yeah, sorry, is that what he said? I I don't have the exact words, but it was something to that um, effect. So. Match started, and it looks it looked immediately to me five man back line, which I was kind of laughing. Because Richie was left wing back, uh, which is, I'm okay with. Well, that, that, that's normal. Right wing back, fine. Okay. Here Whatever. we go. Danny Rose at left center back, Kraft at right center back, and Fernandez in the middle. That's the interesting part. <sighs> yep. What's your thoughts there? Um, my first thought was like, why? Why are we playing a 5'8 left back at center back? That was my first thing was like, I literally was like, wait, is Danny Rose even tall enough to play center back? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, no, he he's he's 5'8. So I didn't I didn't understand that. But like all in all, technically it worked. Like yeah. Brighton certainly weren't dangerous. I mean, Danny Rose, I think. Uh, he's definitely grown on me. Um, obviously, if I were given the option between him and Jetro, at first I would have been immediately been like, "Oh, Jetro," but now it's become a little bit of a, of a harder, um, like kind of discussion. Yeah, I think because, if, if Spurs give a cut fee for him, you got to take it. Gotcha. Yeah, he he's at, at at a minimum, he is like a solid depth piece, but he also is just one of our better one on one defenders. Just he's he's kind of shown it, especially just, as a yeah, season. Yeah, just from the experience alone. That's yeah, and as he's gotten back to full match fitness, because you do have to remember he came to Newcastle really not having played at all the season with Spurs, and he's kind of eased his way back into match fitness, and he's been he's been absolutely brilliant. And this was a, a solid display from him as well. Um, I could see why he's so loved by many Spurs fans. Emil Kraft at center back, I think that was pretty expected, and Fernandez was pretty expected. So Danny Rose was the wild card, but it did feel weird because like the five in the back formation, um, you still saw some of the issues that have been with the five in the back formation the whole time you're not maximizing um your best players uh Alan St. Maxman and Miguel Amaro were still very much so even on an island and Newcastle still conceded a ton of possession to a team that didn't really know what to do with the possession either so it was it was a bizarre kind of setup um I mean Bentaleb and Shelby in the middle were uninspiring to say the least um actually I, I do have a a, a a quote um about that I'm going to pull it up. Uh, it's from our good friend, Christian Hennage. I don't know if you saw this. Um, it's pretty so. good. He said, the interesting thing about Nabil Bentaleb and John Joe Shelby is, as a pairing is that one is a slow mercurial midfielder that wants a lot of time on the ball, and the other is whichever one you weren't thinking about when you were reading this. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, it's like spot on. It, it was very much uh, in effect in this match. But, yeah, it was it was a bizarre setup. Um, but, I mean, clean sheet is a – clean sheet <laughs> yeah yeah it was exactly what it deserved and we'll we'll get stats and, and stuff um after the break um i just one stat to preview the stats is this is from mark duffy give mark a follow at mark s duffy but he said four wins in the last 19 league games from bruce's mags two of them two of those four wins were against 10 men and one of those, we didn't even look good against the 10 men. Like, <laughs> people forget that we were up 10 men against Southampton for, like, 
50 minutes or something like that. It was a long time, and it took us until like the 85th minute to score off a mistake from their back line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we didn't even create the chance ourselves. So I feel like that's that that cannot fly under the radar. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my favorite tweet was from Chris Wolf uh, from the athletic when injury time was given, Chris Wolf said, how could someone in the right mind give five extra minutes to this match? <laughs> and that's, that's the tweet of the day for sure. <laughs> Five minutes of more of this. Uh, all right. Well, do you do you have anything that you want to say about this before we get into the, the other stuff? I'm not going to lie. Ooh, like I, best player and all that. I, I, I expected I, – I honestly expected this. I expected 1-1. That's what I wrote in my preview. Um, Shout out to all the Brighton fans and Watford fans who are convinced that I'm supposed to watch every one of their matches and know every single one of their best players. I'm just not going to watch Brighton or Watford like willingly. So I'm just, I'm, you're going to have to take my word. I'm going to use stats to determine who I think is the best player in other people's opinions. But anyway, and basically our, my personal experience, but all that to say, absolutely just awful match and just boring. And I mean, the most exciting thing, like I said, was Matt Ritchie's kind of, sudden outburst um and uh the second most exciting thing was arguing with brighton fans about how how bad jolinton is so that was that was that that was it (laughs) that was it all right so we're gonna take a break then we're gonna move off to uh talk about quotes stats best or worst player all that stuff so we'll do that right now for newcastle fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, so we'll start with Steve Brucey quotes. Uh, old Brucer said, Considering the problems we've had, I was delighted. The one thing you can't deny about this group of players is their ability to roll their sleeves up and, and have a go. Yeah, I think... Some of us could deny that. Yeah, um, we, we played two fullbacks as center backs today, and they were terrific. I was delighted with their attitude. Emil's got a really sore ankle and did well to carry on, but I think, uh, yeah, there's really Well, no Kel one. Watts debuted next week, um, next Sunday. There's one. Emil Kraft out injured, Kel okay. Watts debut. Here's Book a, it. Yeah, there you go. Um, he said, that's our 10th game in 35 days. Uh, we've got a lot of tired bodies. We can't rotate like some others can. And Andy Carroll's beating, beating himself up in there. He knows he should have scored the winner. It's been difficult oh, yeah. for everyone concerned with everyone that's going on, with everything that's going on. We've done okay. I would have taken 44 points. I think that we were safe when we beat Southampton in March. In every interview for 15 weeks, I've been asked the same thing about the takeover. We need a bit of clarity. Until then, I'll go to work and see the CEO and plan for the summer. That's all we can do. It's frustrating. All right. So yeah. first off, and I don't know if this is just a Newcastle thing, or but like in America, if somebody, if a manager said, yeah, at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me I would take 14th place out of 20th, I'd take that. He would he'd be fired the next day. Like they would fire yeah. him in America for saying that. Like, like, what do you mean you're okay with 14th place? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or the fans just would not have it. Like even yeah. if even if you were a bad team in the U.S., you have to say like, "Hey, we're rebuilding. Like 
we're going to work harder every day. We're trying to win. Like we're still trying to win here. We're trying to grow our youth team. Like it's still an optimistic message. Like, yeah, like you would told me 14th. Easy, baby. Let's get it. Like that is not good. Like I don't, yeah. I hate it. It's not just steepers. A lot of managers it's, it's, it. And it's not just. I'm going to say it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a very, uh, it's a soccer thing. Yeah. It, and, but it's That's only, it, it's a, it's a soccer thing, but it's not, oh, sorry, a footy thing, but it's not, it never happens in America. Like no. bottom feeder MLS coaches are still like, we're building from the future. I also want to point out. Um, yeah. There's like a goal. Like I never hear like Newcastle or Steve Bruce saying like, you know, this is a building block next year. Like our goal is to finish in the top 10. Like, no, or, what he's going to say is like next year, if we get 15th, we're good. Or like, at least at a minimum, do the thing that like every NFL coach, like Dan Quinn, who's done this so many times, where your team sucks for like half the season and you kind of get hot at the end of the season. You got to you got to pull the old. We're taking that momentum in the next season card. Yeah, he yeah. could have at least said that we're trying to build some momentum in the next season. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't even do that. He was just like, yeah, 14's fine. And like I have to, I also have to give Newcastle credit because the the standard of mediocrity is throughout the entire club. Uh, because Miguel Amaro did an interview um earlier t- i guess today when we're recording this was just the same day's match and he essentially said that at the beginning of the season their goal was survival and they're happy to achieve that it's like don't say that like publicly and this is a guy who came from a team who's like their goal was to win an mls cup the very first season he was there which i mean it was an ambitious goal and they did it the second season but it's like to go from that mindset of like being from a team that was literally just like all about we want to win the league and destroy every single opponent to then go into a team that's like, yeah, you know, hey, at least we're not in the championship. Yep. 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 So that's it. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go to stats. Oh, wait. One more thing on quotes. Uh, because yeah. Zach Pensack, uh, obviously, great, great writer, host of False Nines. Obviously, check them out. I believe they'll be dropping this week because it's, yeah, they'll be dropping this week. So uh, Thursday, drop, check them out. Um, says can't wait he said he tweeted this can't wait for bruce's customary very pleased with the performance of the boys today thought we had a number of good chances post-match quote as if anything relatively close to exciting happened in this match and literally steve bruce said considering the injury problems we've had i was delighted (laughs) (laughs) like like it's just it's it's the same thing every week from steve bruce but yeah um, shout out to zach for for calling that out um but it is what it is. The season's uh, over. I don't. I don't really know what the Liverpool match is gonna gonna look like. I guess we have to preview that too. Yeah, so, uh, we, we yeah. do. Um, <laughs> our last preview of this season, Elijah. Are you getting emotional? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so some stats is um, th- that concludes our away fixtures for this season. Uh, we won five. We drew three. And we lost 11. We scored 18 times, which is the same goal tally that we did for 2017 and 2018, and then 2018 and 2019. So third straight season of scoring only 18 away goals or one a match, right? No, I don't know. Just under one of them. Uh, math. Yeah. Um, uh, we've played Brighton six times in the Premier League, and we have not beaten them at all. Uh, this is our third draw, and we have, uh, yeah, third draw, and then they have two or three wins. I can't remember. Is the last time the last time we beat them? I think was in the championship with the Diame uh, yeah. 
Wonder Goal. Wonder Goal, yeah. And then um, I wonder how he's doing. It was our fourth clean sheet on the road this season in all competitions. Um, which teams did we record those clean sheets against? God, um, one of them is an FA Cup match. It's the first FA Cup match, I think. No, I would say they are all Premier League teams. Well, why did you say in all competitions? Because you just said, like, because I just um, I'm gonna go Southampton. Correct. Uh, my other hint is they both also start with S. Oh, kind of. Well, Sheffield, because yep. that Sheffield, Sheffield one was a was a way. Sheffield two nothing, Southampton um, one nothing, and the last one is a little full tricky. Spurs, yes, let's go. Three for three. Yeah, that was that was the the one zero Joel Linton. Like everyone's like, oh man, we got ourselves yep. a forty million pound striker. Joel Linton. Yeah. After we lost to who we lose to, we lost to Norwich, and who we open with. Uh. We opened with okay. Arsenal, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we lost. And Jetro played CDM. And then we just absolutely got pumped by Norwich. And then, and then beat and like, Spurs. And we're like, what's happening? I, I, made, I made this like I made this tweet last like a couple weeks ago. Well, last week when Norwich was like confirmed as like one of the worst teams of all time. I was like, Newcastle lost them. And someone was like, so did Man City. And I was like, that doesn't make it better. Like, Timo Pookie had a hat trick against – like, that was like a third of his goals for the season came yeah. in one match against Newcastle. Like, that's not good. I don't yeah. know why we're like, oh, well, at least, you know, Man City did the same thing. <laughs> no, stop it. Um, so some expected stats. No team had at least one expected goal. Newcastle did lead at <laughs> 0.93. We got close. Uh, Brighton had 0.86. Uh, Elijah, who led Newcastle in expected goals? McGovern. No, he was third. I'm just going to keep guessing him because he takes uh, a lot of shots. Yeah. Thing, oh, Andy right, Carroll. Yeah, there you go. That's it. At yeah, that's the only other match event. Yeah, he he missed a, from two yards out. Uh, yeah. And it confirmed the thing that I we'd been wondering all season, um, and it's been confirmed, Greg. All of our strikers cannot finish in front of net, so uh, it's good to know. That <laughs> literally confirm. every single striker has missed from, like, less than four yards out this season. Do you know who led in assists? The hint Expected is assists. The same uh, way. <laughs> Matt, oh, who is that? Shelby or Matt Ritchie? I think yeah, Matt Ritchie. Ritchie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Ritchie also led the team. Uh, he led uh, four passes that led to a shot. Key passes. Um, so that also boosts up your XA number. But uh, some other stats for the match: um, Newcastle had thirty-five percent of the chances, which led thirty-one percent to Brighton, and the, and the rest of it was not a chance. Um, uh, Newcastle led 12 shots to 11, but lost on shots on target three to one. Um, PPDA was pretty normal, and no surprise, both teams expected points. Uh, Newcastle had a slight advantage of 1.39 to Brighton's 1.27, so a draw straight up is what expected stats said it was going to be. So they would be right. Uh, going to 5:38, they have Newcastle finishing in 13th uh, on 45 points, um, and we have a wow. 79% chance to finish the season in 13th. We have a 21% chance to finish 14th. Crystal Palace can still pass us, um, but we cannot get 12. Mm. Um, 
Oh no. Let's go to best worst players. Yeah. Elijah, um, who is your worst player? Oh man. Uh I mean I <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, I, I mean uh, I, honestly, I it, this is a rare occasion where I can think of a best player, but I can't think of a worst player. So I think I'm going. There was to no go. real mistakes. I mean, it was like yeah, that's what I'm saying. There was no mistakes. I think I'll go with Miguel Amaron because he seemed a little disjointed out there at certain times. Gave the ball away a, a couple times. I mean, he worked his butt off, but I mean, I don't know. This system obviously is not the system that suits him the best. So like, as the like the position he was playing, he really wasn't. I mean, he was playing, like, in the midfield three because Newcastle went with this 5-3-2 um, in defense, and I don't really know what the hell they were doing in attack because they barely attacked. But I, at least in defense, he was playing, like, as kind of a more forward midfielder, kind of sitting right in front of our CDMs, who both of them are not true CDMs. So still not really sure what Bruce was getting at there. But, yeah, um, but yeah so I'd say him. Maybe uh, I, I can't fault Dwight Gale for not being involved because, again, same thing as Joel Linton earlier in the season. It's really hard to get your striker involved when you don't pass the ball to him. So, uh, yeah. And Alan St. Maximin, I mean, he was there and they fouled him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd probably say like uh, Christian Atu because he didn't play. Yeah, he didn't almost score. I mean, I don't know. What the uh, hell he... and, uh, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd just say Andy Carroll for missing that chance at the end. Uh, but like he was, he wasn't bad. I don't, I don't know. But also, like player. to be fair, Andy Carroll had like two headers off target or something like that. So I guess yeah. technically speaking, if you want to talk about mistakes from your striker, like you could say Andy Carroll. But then again, you can't fault him because like, yeah, yeah, the system. <laughs> um, my best player is Dubrovka. Yeah, he, he actually legitimately did keep us in this one because the three shots on target, there were actual saves that needed to be made. So um, that Brighton had, I guess it was three. I think it was three. I know. Yeah, it was three because I remember three saves. Um, um, for me, I'm actually going to go uh, with the duo of Emil Kraft and Danny Rose. Clean sheet um, alert. Wait, what? Clean sheet alert. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, clean sheet alert. Uh, I, I just thought – Danny Rose's one-on-one defending was was there in display. I thought I liked how aggressive he was as a center back. Uh, he did cut out some passes um, before they were able to kind of reach to the final third. But just like it's just a very fullback thing to do, just like absolutely step up like midway into the like into the midfield to cut out a pass as a center back, just leaving wide open holes. Like if he doesn't get there, it, it's like a goal. But he got there, so I, I can't I can't complain. Um, but. Again, Kraft, I think, was perfectly fine, adequate, you could say, as a center back in this match. Again, really wasn't going up against the same attacking talent that he was in the previous matches. Um, so that's something to to consider. But also just like there was – he played two crossfield switches to Matt Ritchie, and they were both delicious. So I just wanted to shout him out for that. Um, and I guess if you go to my honorable mentions, and likely who a lot of people would say was the best player, you could probably go Matt Ritchie. He seemed to be pretty involved. In defending it as well as attacking, um, saw a lot of the ball. Probably was up there in terms of leading the teams and touches. I'd imagine. So, sure, give him a shout. You got anyone else to add? Uh, yeah, just uh, who scored? Just uh, there were six players that received a seven or higher um, from who scored in this match. Uh, yeah, so those players, wow, 
Uh, well, Miguel Almiron, Nabil Bentaleb, Emil Kraft, Alan St. Maximin, Danny Rose, and Martin Dubravka. There you go. I I, I mean, I, I don't I, – I see all of those except – I mean, Bentaleb wasn't bad, but he wasn't a seven. So, like, he wasn't – Nabil Bentaleb got 7.02, Miguel Almiron 7.01. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So, right okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. And I just missing was Federico Fernandez at 6.95 and Javier Minquillo at 6.93. So, like, there is a lot of players right by that seven mark. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that match happened. So Yeah, that happens. We're done with it. We're going to take another break, and then we're going to talk about our upcoming final fixture of the season against Liverpool. Stay with us. We're going to take a break. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip, and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and right. Google Play. It's time for Newcastle to show the league champs what's up. Time to knock them off the throne, take the crown from them. Right, Elijah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Newcastle hosting Liverpool, last match of the season. Um, are you sad to see it go? I'm not because, like, the new one starts in a month. <laughs> so... For the record, I'm not excited about this match at all. Partially because I don't know what to expect. I, at this point, I don't care. Like it seems like the, the, there's nothing to play for at this point. So I don't know. I don't even, Greg. I honestly have no idea what even the lineups going to look like. Like if you do, what a what's your stab at the lineups? I have no idea. Yeah, that's what I was gonna go. That's what I was just curious. I mean, because Liverpool could come out with their kids. I mean, they're probably gonna throw some the first teamers last run around champs. But um, also, why would they? They already did their what is it? The honor guard. I don't even know what it's called. True. Yeah. I mean, they did their trophy ceremony, and, and it's like in normal circumstances, I would agree with you. Yeah, sure. Why not? But in this particular instance, where you've got to restart the season a month later, it doesn't really make sense to risk, you know, injury or anything in in a match like this. Like you play your reserves, play your youngsters. That makes sense, but I also just – I have this deep fear that Steve Bruce will not do that, <laughs> and he will, like, roll out there, and Alan St. Maximin will be there in crutches, like, starting at right <laughs> mid, and Miguel Amaron's going to have himself bandaged up, and, like, Mill Craft's going to be out there in a, in a gravity boot or whatever those things are. Like, it's going to be a nightmare, and it's like, at this point, it really does not matter who he plays. Like, at, like honestly, start Lazaro, start Muto. If anything, this should be the perfect opportunity if you're Steve Bruce to, like, how do I say this? Like, basically gas up the players you want to sell. Like, if you're thinking about moving on from Muto, go ahead and play him. Like, he might play well against this Liverpool team. You know, play Lazaro if you're still on the fence about whether or not you should sign him. You know, things like that. But, again, it's Steve Bruce and logic is is not it's not it's not something steve bruce really possesses a lot of so i don't even know what i'm going to write for this preview honestly like i honestly have <laughs> yeah. no idea what i'm going to write i mean uh, hopefully as the week goes on we get a little bit of insight as to what he's thinking but i hope like please if there is if there's a football god out there like just give steve bruce the ability to be like hey let me rest my best players like the that's it. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I I would not care. 
if uh, we rested everybody uh, and just took a fat L on this one. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I know people will disagree with that, but I really don't. I don't care. I, I also don't think people will disagree with that. I think that in the Brighton match, there, there's people that will disagree. Yeah, but they're losers. Like in the Brighton match, people <laughs> were like, "There's nothing to lose." Like play Kel Watts, and it's like literally with Liverpool, there was already a a two percent chance we'd beat them. There literally is the only thing you can do in this match is lose. So it's like you should rotate and play the youngsters and give everyone their debuts. And it's like, you know, maybe it's you know, and I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. It's just like I'd love to see Tom Allen just like you know try dribbling at a Premier League quality defender. Like I just want to see what happens and like if he's able to adjust and what can Kel Watts handle a Premier League quality striker? Let's just. I'm just going to be contradictory to everything I just said earlier. Start the kids. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Like, why not? Like, if yeah, let let's get let's get Elias Swords and everyone's talking about how great of a striker he is. Let's get him back in in the cards. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Man, remember when our <laughs> whole podcast was like our identity yeah, I was on him, dude. Our identity then, was Elias Sorensen and Hasselu and our Danish our Danish prince. Man, it's sad. It's both of them, and he can't even get a start in League Two side. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so let's just move to like what would Newcastle have to do to win, and the answer is like Liverpool just would not have to give a fuck at all about this match. Liverpool would need to show that's up. That's what drunk. Newcastle would... like, which again, yeah, and very that's what possible. Like it, it's it's yeah. in the cards. Like they've been playing like they've been drunk the past ever since they won the league. They've not looked good. So again, very much possible. Last game of the season. Um, right before the holiday, last time you're going to see the lads. Sure, yeah, why not go into the town? Especially if it's in Newcastle, the bars are open. Let's go. Let's see. Let's get Verzo yeah. Van Dyke absolutely like sloshed before this match. I'm for it. So hey, if you're a Newcastle fan and you're living in Newcastle and you're wondering like how can I help Newcastle um, ahead of their match against Liverpool this Sunday? If you see any Liverpool players at any bars, any pubs, go ahead, buy them a free shot. Just do it. You're taking one for the team. That's the only way Newcastle is going to win. Uh, Newcastle is going to win if Liverpool forfeits, and that's another strategy that we could talk about. Uh, so, <laughs> Have, has the uh, team ever done that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure somebody's forfeited before. Uh, I just don't know if that's happened. What's your prediction? This is weird because it really is very difficult to predict because it is a, a situation unlike any other. Because I think even in our past two seasons, when we've played teams at the end of the season, like we've played teams that are like either like fighting for a, like a, a spot in Europe or they're like fighting for like relegation or something like that. So it is actually quite odd to be in a situation where we're playing like the league winners, and there's nothing to play for for either side. Um, that being said, I think it could be very much like the Brighton match, kind of very passive. Um, you can tell that everyone involved, like I think one of the reasons that match was so boring was everyone involved, Brighton and Newcastle, had kind of started to feel the effects of playing uh, the 10 matches. And, and man, it has been, what, a, a couple months or whatever, like basically – playing a match every two days. I think that's starting to catch up to people. So I could see another really boring draw, actually. Uh, so I'm going to go with the nil-nil draw. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going to go three to one Liverpool. Uh, I think 
they'll pull away, they'll dominate. Um, we'll have a miracle banger that we usually find when we play Liverpool for some reason recently. Um, and that will be it. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to say on this match or we can talk about any news? Well, we have one news item that we do have to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I think we can move on to some little odds and ends, guys. Right. Yeah, so my odds and end, or your odds and end, is hostile. Mm. Go. Go, Elijah. He's Let got 11 know. goals on the season. He's got more goals than Iose Perez and uh, and um, Joel Linton. Linton. I was like, who am I forgetting? It, it's really bad when you forget your 40 million pound record signing because he's just been that. Man, remember when I was defending Joel? He has Linton? more goals than Shelby, Jolinton, Gale, Andy Carroll, <laughs> um, Matt Ritchie combined. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> Uh, also, uh, big shout out because this was brought to my attention as well. Alexander Mitrovic. Oh, wait, no. I think that and Matt Ritchie might have tipped it over. Okay. But yeah. I'll, I'll just, yeah, because Matt Ritchie scored the last match. People forget um, because we lost. So, um, yeah. Um, but uh, also, Alexander Mitrovic, uh, it's really unfortunate because he's he's got 25 goals a season in the championship. Yep. But, um, He's a player that actually would have benefited under Steve Bruce. It's it's like an like I was thinking about it, and it's like a very unfortunate scenario because like one of the reasons that he just was not gelling with Rafa was like his inability to learn tactics and just like his discipline and stuff. And Steve Bruce doesn't care about any of that. Like actually, Alexander, yeah. this is the perfect place for Alexander Mitrovic. So we'll see what that looks like in the future. If Fulham if Fulham are still in the championship. And I, I wonder how many matches he he'll play because I know he's been suspended like twice. <laughs> yeah, but so he's been suspended so like twenty five goals in how many That's matches? That's insane! Like it's it's actually absurd. And I mean, yeah. and like obviously Dwight Gill did the same thing, but also Mitrovic. Like it wasn't like he had a bad season in the Prem either. Like despite being on a god awful team, he still had like double digit goals. So um, shout out to him. I guess the other news that we kind of have to talk about um, because we have to call out a lot of individuals on Twitter. Um, is uh, so Fun eighty eight in Newcastle announced uh, a long term extension uh, to their uh, their their kit deal. What does this mean? No, no one knows. I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Um, but it seems like a ton of people who are Newcastle, uh, who are famous on Newcastle Twitter, who are very active, seem to know like everything uh, about kit sponsorship deals and all this sort of stuff because there's a lot of people who are who are like oh this means this and this means that and blah blah blah. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean anything um in all likely in all likelihood just knowing how I'm, i mean i'm an american so i'm speaking from an american perspective and i'm an american who studies sport i'm speaking from that perspective you don't you don't do you like a lot of these kit sponsorship deals are agreed upon months in advance and announced later so I'm sure this is something that was already in the cards. And again, it's probably some sort of deal with that, that the club can opt out of if a takeover so happens, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it was announced. It was. It was announced. Uh, so I just, I just checked on Metro, 39 appearances, and they play 46 yep. matches. Mm-hmm. So he's missed seven. Um, and yeah. I mean, still pretty good. Um, 
I mean, well, that's better that than it? Joel Linton's, what, three goals and, and 30 appearances. How many do you think Joel Linton would score in the championship? I mean, I would say at least – I'm setting the over-under at 17. Oh, Ooh, that's tough because I, I was thinking at least 15. Let, let's tweet that tomorrow. Let's tweet over-under at 17. 17 plus minus how many goals would Joel Linton score? That's a really tough – I honestly, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people would be quick to like – it's got one of those things you got to think about twice because I think people would be quick to be like, oh, it's Joel Linton, he won't score a lot. But then you have to remember like Dwight Gale was like a lock for 30 goals a season in the championship. Like a lock. And I think people don't recognize like how easy it is to score goals in championship versus Premier League. So I don't know. That's interesting. If you do you want my answer right now? Yeah. I say he gets he he hits 17. I don't think he goes over 17. I think it's push. Yeah, it's a push. That's what it's called. Uh I'm going over. Yeah, I could see that because also I'm trying to – I'm thinking about, like, how he played in the championship. And, like, there's a lot of just, like, crosses being swung in and that kind of stuff. So if he's in the box and he's like able to get something on it. And Newcastle will dominate possession. Like, I think I think he'll just get way more chances, way worse defenders. Yeah, way the worse part. defenders. Yeah, so. Man. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it, right, Elijah? Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else to talk about. Uh, second to last episode of this season. And ultimate. Um, oh, and just one, uh, one, I guess, housekeeping is we will do a season review. Uh, so we're working on that now. But we'll uh, we'll give you a podcast right after the Liverpool match. But that concludes episode 143 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That's the best damn coast in the land. And I'm serious about that. Elijah Newsome. And this is a great song coming home to Newcastle. See you this weekend and away the lads. Love you guys. It's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again. The dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names like Lindis Vaughn in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. 
I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the darkness in James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny Howie. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. Brave the dog is in James's park in the Gallagher.